Good morning, everybody. Man, what a great day. What a, what a great bunch of folks to be here. You know, we got a bunch of people gone today. We got over 50 down at the uh, teen beach retreat. And so when I say I'm happy to see you here today, uh, I'm really happy to see you here today. Uh, so it, it, it is good to be back in worship. As Matthew mentioned, last week was a very powerful day for uh, those of us that were here. Uh, we, we see the cross filled with all of these uh, burdens that were lifted to Jesus, and you know what a what a powerful way to end that chameleon series. And we saw God move in a powerful way, and I pray that during the course of the week that you were able to leave those burdens there, and that you were able to just turn to God and receive His love and His grace. Uh, there's definitely a sense of God moving in our church, and and I believe that it's mostly because of prayer, that, that we're turning to God, we're seeking Him out, and He is moving. Now, just an FYI, before we get into today's message, next week we begin a new series called Baggage. And the basic premise is this, that far too many of us are walking around carrying heavy baggage from years of mistakes and hurt and pain and bad choices and in Jesus, the Bible tells us that there is now no condemnation for our past because when we come to Him in repentance, we receive His grace and His mercy. So it's time to unpack all the worthless weight that we've been lugging around and learn to live free. So Baggage is a three-week sermon series that we hope will empower and encourage you to leave the past behind and to move confidently into the future. And it is the leadership's sincere hope that when you come to worship, you will experience freedom and vitality as a result of that baggage series. Now, today, we're going to do a standalone message that I, I think is going to be important for us. I know it's important for me as I move forward. You see, God is waiting for us to come to Him. God is waiting for you. And every day we have an opportunity to spend some time with God. Now, God doesn't force Himself on us, but He offers us this personal and intimate time where we can speak with Him. You see, I believe God is desiring to have a relationship with us. Just recently, our elders and some other leaders in the church started a prayer journey. It's called a 100-day prayer journey. For me today, it was day 20. And I can tell you that God is using this time to transform me, and I believe to transform us, and just, just hearing back from the elders about what's going on in their life and as we're praying for each other. Now, it isn't earth-shattering. There's nothing amazingly new or some new teaching about prayer that we're having. It's just making a decision that we're going to spend time with God every single day whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it may be, we're going to spend time with God. And if you think about it, what would you do to be able to spend time with someone who is important 
or has valuable information to share. Now, if you are an investor, do you think Warren Buffett would be somebody that you would seek out and ask, you know, what would be your advice? Now, Warren Buffett is the second richest guy in the world. I think he's worth somewhere around $44 billion. So if that's your thing, maybe this would be of interest to you. Back in June of 2005, he decided he was going to raise money for his charitable organization. And in order to do that, he was going to auction off a lunchtime to spend with Warren Buffett. The winning bid. Now, did any of y'all bid? Did, did anybody here bid? I, I don't know if any of you did. But the winner paid $351,100 to spend lunch with Warren Buffett. I think Warren's got another gig going on, right? In 2018, let's say you wanted to spend some backstage time with Lady Gaga. You know, this, this is a deal. It would have only cost you $2,000, you know, compared to Warren Buffett. I mean, really. For that price, you could join others backstage to have a little tour, to do a little pre-show reception, and you also would get a swag bag. Now, I don't know what's in a swag bag. But I'm sure it must be nice. But what you didn't get by giving them $2,000 was a ticket to the concert. You have to pay extra for that. And you really didn't get to spend any one-on-one -on -one time with Lady Gaga. At the end of the tour and everything, she came out and got a picture with all the folks that had paid that $2,000. That was it. But I want you to think about it, friends. We have access to the creator of the universe. And it costs us nothing but time and thought. How often do we avail ourselves of God's willingness to hear our prayers? How often do we leave God hanging while we're chasing down access to people? That's sort of ridiculous, isn't it? Prayer is not a slot machine. I ask, he gives, and that's the end of the story. Some people treat God like he is their fixer. I got a problem, I go to God, he's going to take care of it all. Or somebody to ease their conscience. We treat God like Santa Claus rather than the Heavenly Father. So many people do not feel like they have an adequate prayer life. Now, I, I hadn't talked to any of you. I don't know where you are on that topic, but as you sit there and you ask yourself that question, is my prayer life where I want it to be? I would think most of us, even if we have a pretty good prayer life, would say, you know what? It can still be a little better. So a lot of people spend a few seconds praying for a meal or they doze off in the bed as they say their good nights. But many really don't feel like they're spending quality time with God. And it seems like something is missing. If, if you're there, then I think you would also say something is missing. We're missing our focus, our commitment, a relationship, a communication. 
And friends, prayer is about relationship. God wants to have a relationship with us. He doesn't just want to be treated like a fast food restaurant where we run in, grab the meal, and run out. He wants us to seek Him and to know Him. And in our text today, we see Jesus bring up relationship as He talks about prayer. Jesus says in our text, Which of you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead? That'd be a bad surprise, wouldn't it? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. Jesus is relating prayer to a relationship between a father and a son. Most of the time, we don't have that big picture in mind. Uh, In fact, sometimes we don't even have a clue. So the things we think we want, if we really had them, we might not want at all and And the time that we're spending with God, we're we're not seeking relationship as much as we're trying to check a box off of our day. What looks like bread to us might actually be a stone. So we bow to God's great wisdom, and that is part of the key to the power of prayer. Now, I, I don't think we should go to God demanding God give us what we want. I think we should be asking God to give us what He knows we need and what his desire is. So, with all of that in mind, Jesus wanted his disciples to understand how to pray. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke chapter 11. You can follow along on the screen behind me. But in Luke 11, we begin reading in verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, each of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, in the prayer, he's addressing his Father. The prayer addresses the needs that every one of us have, the spiritual relationship we need with God. It addresses the physical need we have for food. But it also addresses the spiritual need we have to overcome sin and temptation in our life. These are issues that, again, we all deal with. The burdens of life and the struggles of life are real. And we have a Father who wants to hear from us, and He wants to bring healing into our life. But He also wants to hear from us every day about everything. He wants us to seek Him out and listen to His voice. Maybe it's not an audible voice, but His Spirit definitely moves us. He leads us. He guides us. He challenges us. He burdens us. So if we're just telling God what we want, and we aren't asking God what He wants, then doesn't that sound sort of like a one-sided conversation? How many of you have had conversations where somebody, they just want to tell you what they think, and they don't want to hear what you think? That's not really a conversation, is it? Right? Um, So God wants our prayer life to reflect this communication and relationship. In the rest of the passage, Jesus got even more specific. And I want to 
I want to see what it is that Jesus has to say about prayer. And here's the big idea for today, that Jesus encourages us to pray with precision, with passion, and with perseverance. So as you pray, understand God is waiting to hear from you, but He also wants you to be listening. What is God saying to you? Now first, let's talk about what Jesus has to say about precision in prayer. By precision, we mean specifics. How many times are our prayers just generic? Y'all know what I'm saying. Lord, forgive me of all my sins without being specific about the sins I'd need to be forgiven of. Lord, save the lost without mentioning the names of anybody I know that's lost. Lord, bless those who are suffering without even thinking about the specific people we know who are going through suffering. So in our text today, Jesus gives the example of a man who was precise about what he was asking. So let's go back to our Luke 11, and we're going to read verses 5 and 6. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. Now, the first thing we see is that this guy must be a friend, or I don't know, would you want that kind of friend, that shows up at a very inconvenient time, right? He comes over at midnight. Now, if somebody comes to your house knocking on the door at midnight, what's going to be the first thing going through your mind? Either there's some terrible disaster that has happened, or there's bad news that's coming, or, uh, you know, somebody needs some help, but would, would you just really run to the door and say, come on in? No. But if you saw that they were your friend, maybe you'd be thinking to yourself, what are you doing here? So couldn't you have waited till the morning, you know? But the, the guy's very specific. He doesn't come in and say, hey, I'm hungry. Give me some bread. He doesn't say, help me out. He says, lend me three loaves of bread. He is precise. I need three loaves of bread because somebody came to my house. I don't have food to give them. Now, you got to understand the culture because hospitality was a huge thing in that culture. If you couldn't take care of your guests, then you would lose face. You would, that would be very embarrassing. So this is important. I need three loaves of bread. Now, I don't know. Maybe if somebody came to your door in the middle of the night and they said, I need help, you'd be like, oh, what can I do? I'll help you. But if they said, I need help because somebody showed up in my house. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe you would hesitate. But the point here is that the man is very precise in what he's asking. You know, elsewhere, Jesus has encouraged uh, precision in our prayers. In Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 29, as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and he called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. 
Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And immediately they received their sight and followed him. So think about that story. That Jesus is walking by there yelling at him, trying to get his attention. Have mercy on us. Jesus says, well, what is it that you want? And they, they say, we want our sight. Very specific. Of course, Jesus had compassion on them. But to the onlooker, it, it, it may have been obvious what these blind guys wanted. But Jesus again said, tell me what it is you want. Now, I posted this on Facebook uh, about specific, precise prayers that people have prayed and maybe how God has answered those prayers. And, you know, I had quite a few responses. I can't read all of them this morning, but I wanted to share sort of the tenor of most of them. God be praised that He often responds to these specific requests. One pastor friend of mine, uh, he and his wife needed a car. I mean, they needed it desperately. And they prayed about it one night. God, open a door for us to have a car. They didn't tell anybody in the church what their need was. And the next morning, someone from the church called them and said, uh, I don't know why, but I've got a car and I feel like you might need it. Wow. You don't think God answers prayers? Another pastor friend of mine, they were, their church was hiring a youth minister and uh, they were in the process and he realized, you know, I hadn't even prayed about this. So he sat down and he prayed and spent some time seeking God out. And about 10 minutes after the prayer, the phone and the church rang. And some guy called and said, are you still looking for this youth ministry position? And they ended up interviewing the guy and hiring the guy. And that guy is still there. That was back in 1993. But before they made a decision, they needed to pray. Many of you know Ronnie Woolard. He is one of the professors at MACU, and he was a professor when I was there. So that tells you how old Ronnie Woolard is. But years ago, he worked at the Mount Pleasant Christian Church as the youth minister. And following that time, he, he had graduated from Rona Bible College. He was going on to seminary at Illinois, in Illinois at Lincoln Christian uh, Seminary. And in order to get there, they had to get a U-Haul to take them to the university. They couldn't afford the U-Haul. Um, so they didn't have enough money. They didn't tell anyone in the church what they needed. But the church had a money tree to sort of give them a going away gift. And after that night, they had that money tree, and guess what? They had the exact amount of money they needed to get that U-Haul. You don't think God works? You don't think God answers specific prayer? Again, they didn't tell anybody, but it happened. You know, I read others from Jennifer Peake and Tammy Song and Christy Pinnell and, and, and several others who shared how God has stepped up in a big way to meet specific needs in their family. And you could talk to all of them. They'll tell you, man, God, I mean, over and over and over again, God steps up. You know, when I was 17 or 18 years old, I was at the house, and our phone rang. And uh, I answered the phone, you know, because I'm the, I'm the quickest 
to get there, right? So I get to the phone, and there's some guy on the phone. And uh, this guy is like, uh, I, could, I could tell there's some hesitancy in his voice when I answered the phone. And he was like, um, does Elaine Turner live there? I'm like, yeah. He'd like to speak to Elaine. I said, hey, Elaine, the phone's for you. So she comes, and she picks up the phone. And all we can hear on our end is, uh-huh, yeah, okay. That was the beginning of Ben and Lane Gregory's relationship. <laughs> they went on a blind date, and y'all might have to make, make me right, on February the 2nd, and a month later, they went out for her to get a haircut. And as she's getting the haircut, all the person cutting her hair can talk about is weddings. On the way back, Ben asked Elaine to marry him. One month later... We were like, hallelujah. No, but when they got home, she does what Elaine always does. And if you know my sister Elaine, you know this is what she always does. She's going to pray. So she left Ben, went into her bedroom, got into a quiet place, and she said to God, what am I going to do? Do you want me to marry this man? And in that still quiet place, she sensed God leading her to say yes. And the rest is history. How many years now? Over 40? How many? 43 years later. Yes. Amen. Now, the only thing my mom said to him was, don't elope. <laughs> But Elaine prayed specifically for God's guidance. And I'd say God knocked that one out of the park, wouldn't you? Friends, when you pray, be specific as often as you can. Don't just pray to be forgiven of all your sin. Take the sin that you know you've committed today. The temptation that you fell in just recently. And you take it to God. Don't let it become a wedge between you and God. And ask God to forgive you of it. Don't just pray to God to save the lost. Pray specifically for people you know who are struggling and who are lost and don't know Him. Don't just pray for the suffering. Look around and see those who are suffering. And maybe pray for them by name. Pray about their circumstance, their situation. And maybe even ask God how you can be an answer to the prayer that you're praying. I'm telling you, friends, God will do amazing things with those specific, precise prayers. Now, that passage also reveals uh, something about how a passion is needed in our prayers. So let's look at that for a moment. Do you ever feel like you're just going through the motions when it comes to prayer? I mean, there have been times when I felt that way. You're just praying out of routine. There's no enthusiasm behind your prayers. Again, you're just checking off a box on your list. Oh, I got my prayer time in. Or are you earnestly, urgently seeking to come before the throne of Almighty God? Are you seeking to know Him and His will for your life? 
Friends, we need to be passionate about God in our prayers. So we go down to verses 7 and 8 of our text in Luke 11. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread uh, because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now, again, in the Middle East, no, no one would knock on a shut door unless the need was imperative. Uh, in, the, in the morning, the door would be open and would remain open all day. For, uh, there wasn't a lot of privacy going on. But if the door was shut, that was a definite sign that the householder didn't want to be disturbed. But the friend wasn't deterred by that. He knocked on the door and he knocked and knocked and knocked. In ancient times, most homes had only one room. On one end was a raised platform where everyone would sleep together. Husband, wife, children. Not only did the entire family sleep in one room, but sometimes they brought the livestock in too. They had the chickens and the goats inside. The man knocking on the door was very bold to come at that hour of the night. And his friend would, would have to get up, maybe wake up everybody in the house, wake up the animals, light a lamp, go and unlock the door and open it, give the man some bread. And so Jesus is sort of liking this to us coming before our Father. Now, it's not totally like that because he's not saying, well, God is going to tell you he don't have time for you. That's not the point. But I will say that sometimes God says no. Y'all are aware of that, right? God is not required to give us exactly what we ask of Him. Ruth Graham, uh, 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 Billy Graham's daughter, once said, God has not always answered my prayers. If He had, I would have been married, uh, or I, I would have married the wrong man several times. <laughs> well, well, I think I'd sort of disagree with her in, to an extent. Maybe He did answer her prayers, and the answer was no. Because no can be an answer. Y'all get that, right? I mean, some of y'all, your parents said no to you, right? I mean, you experienced that. I think what she meant was that God did not answer her prayer the way she had wanted Him to answer the prayer. And that's true. But ultimately, He did answer her prayers when she married her husband that she'd been married to for many, many years. And I think the same thing happened to me, certainly. I, I had many girlfriends whom I thought I loved and hoped to marry, and it didn't work out. And I remember praying to God, Lord, just look, make this work. Make it work. Change your heart. I can be heartbroken when it didn't. But God knew what he was doing. I, I didn't know what I was doing. That's the point. And I'm glad God's plan worked better than my plan because I am so glad that God did answer my prayers with a yes when it came to Christy. Because she's been perfect for me. See, I didn't know her with all those other people there. I couldn't see what God had in store for me. Listen to this conversation between Jesus and the brothers James and John in Mark 10, 35-40. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. Well, what's your request, he asked. Well, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. 
Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering? I'm about to drink. Are, are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering? I must be baptized with. Oh, yes, they replied. We, we're able. And then Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Jesus says, I don't have a right to promise that to you. When James and John asked to sit next to him, they're, they're asking for the most prominent positions in his kingdom. These places belong to those who God the Father has prepared. And it's interesting to me that Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say, come on, guys, what are you doing asking me? That, that's so selfish of you. He doesn't say that. He just says, I can't make you that promise. Sometimes what we want may not be what is best for us. It may not be in God's plan. But the ultimate part of our lesson is that we need to come to God with passion for His will to be done. And my passion is to be within the will of God. We can passionately come before God in the knowledge that my request is not selfish or self-centered. It's about God and His plan. And there have been many times when I have been specific and passionate in my prayers and God's answer was no. Many years ago, we had an elder here named Richard Collins. Richard and I had actually grown up going to camp together, Bible camp, and we ended up going to the same college, and we, we'd just been friends all those years, and eventually he and his family moved to Greenville, and they made Christ Church their home, and he would become an elder here at the church. And Richard got cancer, and... I mean, within a very brief time, Richard was gone. And I can tell you that I, I don't know of any time in my life where I have more fervently prayed, God, heal him. God, to your glory, give him healing. God, take this cancer away from him. God, this, this could be so wonderful for you and your kingdom as people see how you answer these prayers. And God's answer was no. And you know what? As I think about that, maybe part of my prayer was pretty selfish. I wanted time with my friend. I wanted him to be here with his family longer. But for Richard, maybe what was best was that he be in the presence of God without all of the mess that's going on in our world. So was God unfaithful to my prayer? I say no, because ultimately I trust God, maybe I need to trust Him more than I trust my own judgment. Going back to our story, the lesson was that if the friend is passionate enough to give up or not to give up, eventually the friend would come around and give him some bread. And, and I've seen God answer specific and passionate prayers in amazing fashion. On the other end of the spectrum, there was a lady years ago at the Geneva Park Church of Christ, Teresa Barnes. Teresa is actually, I think, a, a cousin of Gary and Jordan Clark. She was having trouble with her eyesight. In fact, she had juvenile diabetes, which created a lot of problems in her health. And one day the doctors let her know that she was going to be totally blind. 
and some doctor's appointment was coming up the next week, and she just knew, or, or she'd been told, you know, it's going to be a very brief time, maybe a month or so before you're blind. Her dad had just bought her a brand new car, and she was excited about that, but, you know, it looked like life was going to change. So she asked the church if they would pray for her, and many people got together in a room, and I remember us sitting in that room together as she shared with us. Now, what was amazing was that she did not ask God to receive her sight. She asked God to help her accept His will. Now, I can tell you that a lot of us were asking God that she would have her sight. When she went in to see the doctor the next week, they were utterly amazed. They had no explanation for what was going on. She was not going to go blind. Whatever it was that they thought was going to make her blind wasn't there anymore. Now, she still had issues. She, she wasn't going to be totally blind. She would have partial blindness where, you know, certain times of day, but she would be able to drive. She would able, be able to have a job. She would have an active life. But she was passionate about accepting God's plan. So, friend, have you developed a passion for prayer? Really a passion for God's will to be done in your life. A passion to know God more deeply. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 11 and 12, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That spiritual fervor is a passion for serving God. Prayer is a huge part of that, but it doesn't end with passion because we also see Jesus encouraged perseverance in prayer. This simply means that we continue to ask for God's will to be done. Go back to our text in the last part of it, verses 9 through 13. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he goes into that part about fathers giving their sons a snake if they ask for a fish. In verse 13 we read, And if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Hmm. And what does Jesus say? Ask, seek, and knock. We've heard that many times. Now, if you look in the original Greek, the actual tense of this would be better translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, Keep on knocking. So it is a continual, it is a perseverance in the asking and the seeking and the knocking. And all of this leads to this last thought, the Holy Spirit. He says, God will give you the Holy Spirit as you ask, seek, and knock. I said at the start that God doesn't always give us what we want. Uh, what sometimes might look like bread to us may actually be a stone or what... Looks like fish, might actually be a scorpion. But God wants to, us to see uh, or to continue to put our trust and faith in Him. The Apostle Paul experienced this. He had a physical ailment and he prayed that God would heal him. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7-8 we read, Therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
So Paul, three times, coming to God, asking God to remove this thing, being persistent in prayer. But again, God had a different answer. In verse 9, we read, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness, and therefore, Paul writes, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Through that experience, Paul learned that even if God didn't answer the prayer the way Paul wanted it to be answered, God was still answering the prayer, and God's answer is always right. The command to keep on seeking might even suggest that we're sometimes the answer to our own prayers. Seeking is an active thing. It means that we do not just passively sit and wait for God to act. God will not do what He's already commanded us to do. The old preacher, A.W. Tozer, once said, Have you noticed how much praying for revival has been going on of late and how little revival has resulted? This happened even back then, believe it or not. I believe the problem is that we have been trying to substitute praying for obeying. And it simply will not work. Prayer will become effective when we stop using it as a substitute for obedience. And friends, I think there's a lot of truth in those words. As I've shared, I feel like God is moving here at Christ Church. And I believe that our leaders, you know, as we turn more and more to prayer with the heart of obedience... We are opening the door for God to move. If we stubbornly stand and say, this is what we want, we don't care what you want, we're not willing to obey God's leading. But if we say, God, whatever it is you want, I am, I am your vessel. I am your servant. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here asking you what you want me to do. And as I've turned more toward prayer, I believe God is working in my life to open up my eyes and, and my heart. So as long as we hold on to having to have everything our way, or we push God aside, we will never experience what God wants for us. And that is a more fulfilled life. William Barclay, the great old commentator of Scripture, made this note about this passage. We're not wringing gifts from an unwilling God, but going to one who knows our needs better than we know them ourselves and whose heart toward us is the heart of generous love. If we do not receive what we pray for, it's not because God grudgingly refuses to give it, but because He has some better thing for us. There's no such thing as unanswered prayer. The answer given may not be the answer we desired or expected, but even when it is a refusal, it is the answer of the love and the wisdom of God. So friend, don't think God is treating you badly if you don't get exactly what you're asking for. Remember that God has your best interest in mind, and He knows what you need more than anyone else. Now, I'd mentioned that uh, the, the elders and several other leaders have joined in this hundred days of prayer. And, um, you know, initially my thought was, okay, we're going we're gonna to go through this hundred days of prayer, and then we'll invite the rest of the congregation to join us. 
Because I felt like we needed to set that example. We needed to see God moving and working. That was my thought. Well, I think God has sort of hit me over the head and said, that's not a smart thought, Tim. What are you doing? Why wouldn't we open this up for everybody? I mean, if God is in 20 days, if, if you sense the movement of God in the elders and leaders of the church, why wouldn't you open it up to everybody in the church? And so I'm going to give you an invitation today to join us in this 100-day journey. And there's a website that you can go. You, you can do it any way you want to, but this, this is just a little reminder. www.tandemprayer.org All you got to do is go to that website, give them your name, give them your email. It don't cost a dime. And every day you'll receive an email with a little video thought. And this can spur on prayer. And you do this just every day. Uh, The video is like, again, two or three minutes long. And again, just begin to pray. Uh, the, the other night as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, here's an invitation. An invitation from God to meet with Him. An invitation because God is waiting to hear from us. And He's waiting for us to listen to Him. So friends, this morning, if you're within earshot of my words and you're still awake and you're able to hear, I'm giving you an invitation to join us, go to tandemprayer.org. That invitation can lead to conversation. You know, once we accept God's invitation to come to Him, we open the door for conversation with God. And again, conversation is a two-way street, right? It's not just me telling God, what I want, it's me listening to God about what He wants. And once the conversations with God start, the ultimate goal can be achieved, and that is it leads to transformation. This is what God is looking for. He wants us to be spiritually transformed evermore into the image of Christ. In Romans 12, too, we read, and I think Matthew preached on this a few weeks ago, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to know the will of God, if you want the Holy Spirit to be leading you in your life, friend, you need to have conversation with God on a daily basis. The only way to conform to the image of Christ and be transformed is by the renewing of our mind. And unless we're spending time in prayer and actively seeking for God to change our heart, mind, and soul, friend, it isn't going to happen. But once you do, once you commit to it, once you accept that invitation and begin having those conversations, God is going to bring about such a transformation, it will be unreal. So I invite you to join us. Father, we come to you today. Thank you for prayer. We we can talk to you throughout the day. It doesn't cost us a dime. It just costs us some time and some thought. But it, it can lead to such a tremendous transformation of our souls. We can receive peace and comfort and 
knowledge and guidance and assurance and many, many, many more things. Most of all, it will build our relationship with you. And that's what prayer really is about. It's about us as children coming to our Father, and talking to Him, and listening to Him. Let our conversation with you not be one-sided. Help us to be precise and passionate in our prayers and help us to persevere, never give up. And now, Lord, if there's somebody here today that needs prayer, I pray that you would just put it on their heart to be open, to be honest. Father, maybe somebody needs to come to you and uh, pray that your spirit would move in their life. May, may they feel such a burden that they can't hold back or sit down. Father, for those who are hurting and afraid and burdened, lift those hurts and fears and burdens from their shoulders. Earlier, our praise team led us in a song. You are the same God, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Joseph, the God of Peter, the God of Paul. You are the same God who moved in such powerful ways, moving us. Move us to love others. Move us to reach others. Move us to care for others. Move in us, Father, through your Spirit. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.